Hey, and welcome to Student Voices, where we discuss all things education with students at the centre. I am your host, Ren Gillard, and you are listening to Student Voices. Putting students at the centre of the education conversation. Hey, and welcome back to the Student Voices podcast. I'm your host, Ren Gillett, and today we're talking about well-being. Over the past few decades, there has been increasing agreement among policymakers, educators and researchers about the importance of student well-being. From this research, there has been a proven correlation between well-being, mental health, social and emotional skills, and academic learning. At Pivot, We have done a lot of research around well-being and what factors of well-being affect a student's ability to perform well at school. From this research, we have identified five key components that contribute to student well-being. One, a student's general feeling of well-being. Two, their resilience. Three, feelings of safety. Four, school belonging. And five, a collection of protective behaviours, such as how things are going with their family relationships, their friendships, schoolwork, hobbies, etc. Now, there is so much to cover on each of these topics. So today, we are going to be focusing solely on resilience. But please stay tuned for our upcoming episodes as we look further into student safety and belonging. Now, as we all know, last year was unlike any other. Following the stress, fear and isolation, resilience has been a key word to emerge from the hardships of 2020. Last year tested our resilience as students, teachers and school leaders and as people. And now in the wake of today's new normal, it is so important that the dialogue around resilience continues. The future is uncertain So we need to make sure that young people are being set up with the social and emotional skills that enable them to adapt and deal with adversity. Because the statistics show that Gen Z is facing a mental health crisis. The second Australian Child and Adolescent Survey of Mental Health and Wellbeing found that 14% of school-aged Australian children have reported experiencing a mental illness. And a quarter of school-aged young people report regular bullying and social exclusion. To follow that, almost a third of parents have reported being frightened about long-term impacts the pandemic has had on the mental health of their children. Today, we have two wonderful guests who are going to share their resilience journeys and draw focus to the importance of perseverance, optimism, grit, and a growth mindset. Wilma Sara and Mia Hara. Miyahara is studying her Masters of Teaching and is the founder of the podcast called The Student Space, where she talks all things high school, life after school, and how to actually be an adult. While Mia has found her passion now, her path was not easy, and we will dive into this in just a short moment. Our second speaker is Wilma Sara, who is a 19-year-old entrepreneur. Following his frustration with an education system that, in his words, lacked life skills, Will, at 15, founded his own company, Youth Leadership Academy Australia. Will followed his ambition, irrespective of the doubts and fear from the people around him. Without further ado, let's hear from Will and Mia themselves, starting with how they both landed where they are today. 
Hi everyone, my name's Mia and currently today I'm a final year Master of Secondary Teaching student at the University of Melbourne. So next year I will be um, working full-time as a secondary teacher but this is something that no means crossed my mind when I was growing up or when I was in high school. So uh, let's go back to our high school days. And when I was in high school, I um, I was involved in lots of things. So I was involved in leadership. I was involved in um, sport. I, I worked really hard in my studies and I had really big aspirations for life after high school, really. A big part of my high school journey was that I did aerobic gymnastics. So it's a gymnastic sport that um, not many people know about, but pretty much it's just like a one minute routine on like a hard kind of floor with a little bit of bounce and you either do it individually or in pairs. And um, I did that outside of school. And then our school also had a squad as well. So really involved that took up a lot of my time. I, my world was aerobic gymnastics. And of course that carried over to university. So I was doing that on the side and I was coaching it as well. Um, I was judging every day. I was either like training for myself for the competition or training other school students and so that really just took over my life and that was my number one priority and um uni was just second or probably even third like I wasn't applying myself and sidetrack my aerobic gymnastics career came to a standstill pretty much um I was in a car accident, unfortunately, in America once. Uh, our Uber got into a crash on a highway and I kind of went flying in the air and my back was messed up. So while I understand it's not like the end of the world, like I could still walk, it just meant that I couldn't bend down, I couldn't go to the toilet. I really couldn't do like the things that my sport needed, like all the jumping, all the lifting, all the like turns all the flexibility, like that was all gone. And from that to happen, and when that happened in like my second year of uni, my world came crashing down. I was I was idolised in the gymnastics space um, for aerobics. Like I had just won Australian national championships the year before. I was like auditioning or like trying out for the world's team. And then this injury came on and I thought, oh, my goodness, that's it. My world is falling apart. It was pretty much my identity. And then to not be able to do it anymore, I thought, oh my goodness, like, I'm so sad. Bit of an identity crisis. Like I'm not doing aerobics anymore. I don't know what I want to do. I've just done this degree and I don't even want to use it. So then I had a bit of a gap year. So I, in my gap year, I worked like multiple little part-time jobs. I, um, traveled a bit so I went to Europe I went to Japan like lots of fun cool places and I had a lot of time to reflect and self-reflect and ask myself what do I like what do I enjoy doing and I realized a couple of things so it's funny I was actually on a holiday um, with my sister and we were in Greece and we we're just sitting on a beach and I just said like you know what? I really enjoy coaching so I really enjoyed sharing my passion for gymnastics with um, younger students who I coach at high school level and I really enjoy tutoring because I do a lot of tutoring outside of um, uni like for high school students in maths or English and I thought okay what's something that I can do that every day and like enjoy it and I thought oh well perfect teaching and it's funny because teaching never ever crossed my mind when I was in high school I was thought, no, I just want to do business. And funny, fast forward to today, I'm actually going to be a business management teacher or an accounting teacher or like economics because I did all the, the commerce background for my undergrad. And um, from that, um, last year, actually, no, it started this year, I founded a podcast and it's called The Student Space. So this links nicely with my Masters of Teaching and it really links with my personal journey. Mia is remarkably resilient. 
And before we hear more about the challenges she faced and how she persevered, we are going to hear from Will and listen to his story about how he landed where he is today as an 18-year-old entrepreneur. I guess my entrepreneurial sort of business journey begins when I was 11. I had this, I had an entrepreneurial sort of background in a traditional schooling system that wasn't necessarily supporting that pathway. Um, and I, in, uh, I remember in the, sort of coming towards the end of year 10, I was selecting my subjects for year 11, um, something that is a very scary for a lot of people. It's made out to be the make or break of your future. And I was really, really getting more frustrated at that than anything else because of the lack of leadership, the lack of actual practical knowledge, in a, the lack of life skills throughout the curriculum. Um, and I've never been someone to sit on a problem and to watch someone else fix it. So it was that quote by Malcolm X, if not me, then who, and if not now, then when, which led me to launch Youth Leadership Academy Australia. And then a few weeks into year 12, we were, about, we were a few weeks away from the 2019 national tour. Um, it was me going around the country as a 16-year-old by myself. And it was hosting these four events. Um, and I made the decision with little consultation or thought probably to my family to drop out of ATAR and just sort of pursue a, the most basic of education level I could. Um, and it led to a lot of fear for my parents, not because they didn't believe in me, but because they wanted, they wanted to protect me. Um, I was told I would never go to uni and I was totally fine with that because I was pursuing the entrepreneurial pathway. We hosted that tour with only 30% of tickets sold. So instantly it was like, holy, holy Jesus, have we actually been able to, have I actually made a the wrong decision to leave ATAR? Um, and I graduated, I left school in 2019 I did, without a Western Australian certificate of education or VCA um, and 51% attendance. But going forward to now, when I do study my master's in business, I'll finish that before many of my friends will even have finished their bachelor's. I sort of made taught me one of the greatest lessons of the numbers will not define your value. What defines your value is your perseverance, your motivation, how much you really want something. Both Mia and Will are incredibly resilient individuals. On their journeys to becoming the people we just heard speak, there were many challenges. And this next section of the podcast, we are going to hear Mia and Will share how resilience helped them overcome the challenges they faced and the lessons they learned along the way. I think resilience taught me a few different things. So like firstly, it taught me about patience because I'm not a patient person at all. I wanted everything done yesterday. And when I had that injury, I thought, okay, what's what's my diagnosis? And funny thing is um, I had to learn patience the hard way because no one knew what was wrong with me. I saw honestly, every doctor, every physio, every osteo, and all, all that was like wrong with me was that I couldn't bend my back forward. Like, sorry, like I couldn't like bend forward to like, say, touch my knees or touch my toes. And it just pained me. So it pained me to sit down. It pained me when I sneezed and I thought, okay, so I might've pulled something or maybe like something's cracked or, but the thing was no one knew what it was. And so it took about a year and a half to actually work out what was wrong. And in this year and a half, I'd seen different specialists and different osteos, physios, chiros, like honestly, everyone, myotherapists, Chinese medicine. And it wasn't until that I 
had this specialist appointment with this doctor um, who had a waiting list for a year. And then by that time, that year lapsed and I finally had that appointment. He said, oh, you've done this to your L5 or whatnot. So in the end, I ended up did finding out, but I learned to be patient along that process that sometimes like it's not a easy or an obvious solution that someone can just tell you straight away. Um, I just remember there was one point where I couldn't train myself. Like I couldn't like practice or like go to the gym and train myself for aerobic gymnastics. I couldn't go to like training, but I was still coaching. So I was still going and getting up every morning at six to go and train the girls before school at, um, at the high school. And I just remember waking up and thinking, oh my God, I don't want to do this. I can't be happy. And obviously when I was coaching, I was like shining. I was glowing. I, I loved, I loved every moment of it. Um, and it's where I really like thrived. Like I would, I was like the head coach. I'd be like, you know, delegating, I'd be coordinating. I'd be talking to girls. We'd be recording things. Like it was so much fun. And then I remember because I couldn't train myself. It's like I had FOMO. It's like, like I had fear of missing out and I was so upset and I was so like I, I know I'm not going to throw around the word depression lightly because I know that's quite serious but I was so upset and I was so sad within myself that I was like I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to coach like what's the point what's the point of coaching if I can't do it like I guess in that sense I was quite selfish but that's just what I was feeling in that time and then there was yeah weeks I was like I just don't want to go I don't want to do this I'm just too sad in myself to be happy for and, and radiate that positive energy for others. And then I realized like, hang on, that's like not on. That's not what I want to live my life. Like I haven't been raised and I haven't like gone through everything I have not to have a positive outlook. So I thought, okay, I've got two options. I can sit here and feel sorry for myself and just hate the world or I can do something about it. And yeah, it was in that moment. I was like, okay, I'm going to do something about it. I'll go in. And that's where I started like a uh, Pilates and then do the next do something about it was okay I'm going to book in with another appointment and then I all these appointments I kept getting like the the sorry we we don't know what's wrong and then I was like okay I'll just book something else and then yeah so that's what I it was just kind of like a realization one one point in time that I was like no I I want to live a life that's happy and that's you know fulfilling and that gives me value and I don't want to feel like this so yeah I'm gonna do something about it by taking that first step it led to the next and then the next one after that um, another part of my like journey and what I've learned about resilience and what role it's played is that it's made me like be more determined and have more grit in other aspects of my life. So, um, for example, like I mentioned, like I have a podcast and starting that up was very scary. Like it's really scary to get in front of a microphone and talk kind of just to yourself and put it out there for people. But I thought, you know what, if I can get over this injury and right now, it's been, I reckon, two or three years since I've fully recovered. I haven't thought twice about that injury. And I think, well, if I can do that, then who cares? Like I can do anything. Like I can persevere and I can get through. And then I think the lasting resilience has really played a part in my life is like being thankful. So I'm really thankful that, you know, like the injury wasn't too serious. I wasn't, you know, in a wheelchair. I could still walk and I could still live my life as a 19, 20 year old back then. Um, but it's made me realize like in these times of adversity that, yeah, I can get through and then I can get through the next times that come. So I'm really thankful that, you know, I have the life I do today and that it's taught me all these things. There was a lot of disencouragement from like people being scared, people worrying about learning, 
Um, see, a lot of it, like, wasn't necessarily just about the school system. A lot of people were like, why don't you just wait until you leave school to pursue these things? And for me, it was a lot about, like, imagine what I could do in that two years, yeah, in that two years of the year 11 and the year 12, and I left high school with a full-time job in it. And for me, like, the biggest thing with resilience in high school is anybody who didn't want to see me succeed or didn't want to see me achieve what I wanted to achieve or didn't want to be part of the conversation, I use that as really a disencouragement for encouragement. I wanted to prove them wrong and to show them the possibilities of entrepreneurship as well. And I guess, like, that's where I've been very blessed to see. I've seen the opportunities of entrepreneurship for such a long time. I've been surrounded by other entrepreneurs. Um, and it's that has really exposed me to see the possibilities of, like, what freedom looks like um, and really keep that the eye on the prize. But, like, I guess stepping away from ATAR and, like, realising that maybe I made the wrong choice, it was tough, but then at the same time I still knew that there was going to be a way. There's like, from, oh, no, like, if, I if you take a step back and look at the perspective – Yes, I don't have an ATAR, but I still have had a world-class education, like better than most people in the world um, because I've been born in Australia. And I guess like having that perspective, taking a zoom in and seeing that it's really not that big of a problem. Also on resilience, when you're back against the wall, you fight so much harder. Um, that's what I heard from one of my friends the other day. It was like, when you, when you are back, back against the wall, you fight so much harder, you find a different way around it. Um, and I, like every year I felt like that, to a point where like now it's like okay well how do we just take away that wall and build like build our own apartment whatever um but yeah just using that disencouragement for encouragement showing like it's not the reason why i work so hard but definitely like puts a fire inside of me i would say every yeah. time i'm told i can't i'm like watch me i'll make it happen three words perseverance grit and optimism these three words embody Mia and Will's journeys of resilience. And now we're going to hear from Mia about a strategy she used to persevere and develop her resilience. It was just like little things like I did a um, like a calendar and every day I'd rate my pain out of 10 and I was like determined to get my pain down from a 9 out of 10 down to like a five or six out of 10, I mean like a five or a four out of 10. And I'd share that with like my family, like we had that up in my office they probably didn't have a choice, but it was there for everyone to know and for everyone to be involved. So, yeah, I think those support mechanisms all worked and they all, like, played a really big part in, yeah, getting me where I am today and teaching me the lessons that I know now. Mia's calendar, where she would rate her pain out of 10, is a really great example of how being transparent and open about how you are feeling can help the people around you offer better support. With so many young people struggling with mental illness, it needs to be okay to have an open dialogue around mental health. Creating a space where it's okay not to be okay and where people feel supported to express their struggle, knowing they will be supported, is incredibly important and can change lives. In classrooms where well-being is a priority, students thrive. And part of helping students on this journey, Will says, is storytelling. For teachers, a really, really powerful thing that can be done is literally once a week sharing a story of an entrepreneur. Or some people want to be a doctor. We need them. We need the nurses. And recognising that this is just as possible as an entrepreneur. 
as anything, regardless mm. of what their report card says. And I like I think like a really powerful thing for resilience is literally storytelling. Like there's always been someone who's been on your path before. There's seven billion people in the world. There's always been someone on your path before. And Mia actually echoes this same idea completely and believes that the best way to inspire resilience through teaching is to share stories of resilience and resilient people, including your own story. No matter who you are or what experience you have, we've all overcome some obstacle or something in our life. It could be from really, really small or to something quite traumatic, but in that experience, we can bring that to the classroom. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to sit down and tell my whole class exactly what I went through, if it's obviously not relevant. But what you can do is, in some ways, model the behavior with little caveats or little stories throughout your teaching as to how you've overcome resilience or how, you know, you're not perfect and how we too have times where we think oh my goodness this is really hard or oh my goodness I don't know how to get through and just letting the students know that hey I feel like this as well is a really important part because then the students can be able to relate to you much much better than thinking that oh you're just some perfect teacher that is an adult and knows everything that's going on when reality we're just we're just like them overcoming obstacles big and small every day. When young people hear stories like the ones we've heard today from Mia and Will, perseverance, grit and optimism seem so much more achievable. The dynamic nature of well-being is one reason why ongoing monitoring of student well-being is so important. And as I mentioned earlier, Pivot has spent a lot of time researching student well-being so that we can help schools better understand and support the well-being of their students. And in term three this year, we are launching a well-being for learning tool. The well-being for learning tool is a simple and easy to use application that tracks the well-being of your students, as well as the conditions that support it. Students are asked a number of short questions about their well-being each week that take just one minute to complete. School staff are provided with real-time survey results, clear data, evidence-based insights, and comprehensive resources that support meaningful interventions. To celebrate the launch of this new, exciting product, Pivot is offering free access to schools until 2022. For more information, please visit our website, pivotpl.com slash learning. Now, that's the end of today's episode. But as I mentioned earlier, in the next few weeks, we are releasing more episodes focused on well-being, specifically looking at school belonging and safety. Please stay tuned for more, and I really look forward to speaking with you next time. You can also share your questions, comments, and feedback on our website, www.pivotpl.com/studentvoicespodcast. See you next time.